So Nick's not here today. Um, he's in Oklahoma for a family reunion. So I get the pleasure of teaching you guys today. Now, um, my name is Andrew. I run the youth ministry here in case I haven't got to meet you guys yet. And um, yeah, it's just real great working here, uh, working under Nick. Um, Rebecca, am I in the monitors? Are they muted? Um, we've been going through Galatians. Perfect. We're going through Galatians. And last week, Nick had talked about how being, living by the Spirit is the normal Christian life. And so this week, um, I'm doing part two of that, Spirit Life is Kingdom Life, part two. And the reason for this title is because when we live by the Spirit, we're ultimately living by the Spirit that Christ has given us. He has put His Spirit into us. And Christ is the King of the kingdom. And Paul in Galatians has been addressing this issue of the law a whole lot. Um, he's been fighting legalism and antinomianism. And in doing so, um, he, he's been revealing to us the true gospel of grace. Now, I'm going to define legalism and antinomianism for you guys real quick, even though we've done it a million times, just to remind you. So legalism is trying to earn salvation. It's especially trying to um, use your works of the law to get into heaven, to receive eternal life. And antinomianism is doing away with the law altogether. It's a Greek word, anti, which is against, and nomianism, which is the law, nomian law. And so they don't think that there's any responsibility for Christians to um, live a Christian life. Um, they say we're saved by grace, and so there's no reason for us to be obedient. Now, we'll see that the gospel has no room for either of these, but unfortunately, this isn't a problem that was exclusive to the time of the Galatians. Um, here's an example from my childhood of being antinomian and legalistic. Every morning, not every morning, sorry, every week, my family, we would drive to church. We went to church faithfully every Sunday. And in the car, my parents would almost always get into an argument. And oftentimes, my sister and I would join in. And on the way to the church, we were at each other's throats the whole time. We were just uh, arguing and yelling. And then as soon as we got out of the car, we put on our Christian face. We walked into church. We looked good. And in that like time, in that short time of a Sunday morning, we would be antinomian in the car. We'd feel there's no need for us to love one another, to obey the law of Christ. We would just hate each other, really. And then as soon as we got out of the car, we'd become perfect legalists and put on our face and be like, oh, yes, we are good and holier than thou. So um, look at us and recognize that we're Christians. But um, maybe you guys have experienced this. I don't know, but... Uh, we're, we're guilty of it. We fall into legalism and antinomianism almost every day. Now, we're going to read the scripture. Um, if you haven't already turned there, go to Galatians 6, 6 through 10, and stand with me as we read the word of God. We stand here at Timberline because it shows respect and reverence for the scripture and the word that God has revealed to us. So in verse 6, Paul writes, 
Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, but in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. All right, you may have a seat, and we'll pray. Father, I just thank you for this text. I thank you for giving us the Bible um, as we study it and look into what you have taught us, what you've spoken through Paul. Um, Just let us grow in the love of Christ and the love that you've given us through the gospel. And let us live it out and look for opportunities to do good. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, so I said that this is continuing from, this is part two, right? It's continuing from last week. And last week, we learned that um, to fulfill the law of Christ, we bear one another's burdens, right? And in verse one, Paul, uh, I'm sorry, in verse six here in our section, Paul says something similar. He says, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, as I was preparing this sermon, I was looking for a way to not talk about money. I, I haven't taught very much, and it's not something that's comfortable for me. Um, being the one teaching you guys and telling you what Paul said is share all good things with the one who teaches, it's weird. Share, share things with the teacher. I'm the teacher, and I'm teaching you to share all good things. Um, but... I do think this is what Paul is talking about. I think he is talking about money, and I think he's talking about more than money. And I'm going to give you some reasons why. I don't think Paul is making this up, that we should share all good things with the teacher. It's not originally his idea. It's something that has been taught from the very beginning. In Genesis 14, 18 through 20, we see that Abraham gives a tithe to Melchizedek. And Genesis is the first book in the Bible. So way back in Genesis, Abraham is tithing to the priest, who is Melchizedek. And then in Deuteronomy 18.1, the nation of Israel has been formed. And there's a tribe in Israel called the Levites, the Levitical priesthood. And the Levites were unique in that they didn't work for money. Instead, Well, they did. But their work was preaching the gospel. And they were dependent on the giving of the other tribes. And so they tithed in that way. And this principle of giving to and sharing with um, the one who is teaching is carried on into the New Testament. In Luke 10, 4 through 12, Jesus sends out 70 disciples, and all 70 of them go out, and he says, don't, don't take with you a money bag, don't take with you um, an extra cloak. Instead, go preach the gospel And wherever you're received, eat what's set before you and receive your payment in that way. And so this is a side note, but important and completely relevant because when Jesus is sending them out, he's sending missionaries. And so in verse 6, when he says, let the one who is taught share all good things with the one who teaches, it's not just the pastor who is worthy of being paid, but also missionaries. We should support our missionaries and anyone who is really dedicated in devoting their lives to 
um, sharing the gospel. And this is why we support Donna and Peggy, who are now in Poland, um, because they're, they're going and sharing the gospel. We want to support that. We want um, the kingdom of God to advance. Now, um, we continue, though, and in 1 Corinthians 9.14, we have Paul um, giving instruction to the church. And this is before um, he has written Galatians, so this, this standard has already been set up before he writes Galatians. And he says, In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Just a basic principle of the gospel, we support our teachers. And even in, at the end of his life, Paul teaches this again in 1 Timothy 5.17. He says that those who um, devote themselves to preaching the gospel well, to teaching well, um, they're worthy of double honor. And so a lot of times we'll hear that pastors are getting paid too much or whatnot. But Paul says they're worthy of double honor. They're preaching the gospel. They're doing, um, they're, they're devoting their lives to the kingdom of God. And we want to support that. We want to share with them all good things. And so this principle of the tithe that we saw in the Old Testament is carried over. But it's, it's a greater covenant. In the Old Covenant, we gave a tithe. In the New Covenant, though, it's not this 10% minimum. The, the 10% seems to just disappear. And it's overlapped by this command um, that we see here in verse 6 to share all good things. So instead of giving 10% and just being able to check it off, we're actually sharing all good things. And I would like to make a comment that I'm really happy to be here because you guys are really good at sharing. You guys are just a loving church, and it's been a privilege to be here so far. And I'm sure it will be continued. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make that last comment. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's just really great, and it's encouraging to see you guys loving. But um, what Paul does here is he doesn't let us be legalistic or antinomian with our giving. Um, he doesn't say give this 10% out of duty and just check it off. But actually, there's this idea behind it that we're actually loving the one who is teaching. Let the one who is being taught share all good things with the one who is teaching. And so it's not legalistic as you do this and then you get to heaven, you do this and you earn favor with God or anything like that. But you're doing this out of love. You're sharing all good things as the early church did in Acts. Um, so um, we can't be antinomian either though. Because while he doesn't mention the specific 10% tithe, what he does say is you share all good things. So where we would have this standard of 10%, um, that is the old covenant, but we're in a better covenant. And so instead of this 10%, that's, that's more of like a minimum for us as Christians. Because now we have the full revelation of Christ. We have Jesus who gave all of himself for us. And in like manner, we're supposed to give all of ourselves to one another. And so, instead of this um, legalistic thing, we now have um, this act of love towards one another, where we share with one another. And so we also share all of ourselves, as Christ did. And this is a two-way road also. I don't want you to think that just the listeners give to the one teaching, but also the teacher gives to the ones listening. Um, there's the message, of course, but they also like devote their whole lives to this. They've given up their other occupation as the practice was in the Old Testament and New Testament. 
throughout the whole of scripture. Um, and so what they're doing is they're devoting their lives to loving the church, to loving you guys. Now, I'd like to praise Nick for a little bit because I think he does an amazing job of this. Um, he didn't pay me to say this. He didn't like say, all right, talk well about me. It was actually weird because I was um, practicing for him and he was the only one there and I would be <laughs> just telling him these things. So it was weird to like talk well about him, write to him, but I'm sure he liked it. <laughs> um, anyways, I do. I think he did a good job. Uh, I think he does a good job. I, I lived with him for six months and every morning the man wakes up at 4.30ish, and from 4.30 to 7, he kind of does whatever he wants. He does his thing. He'll read the Bible and do his daily devotion and um, read books, whatever he wants to read, and he works out. But then, after 7 o'clock, excuse me, he uh, goes upstairs and has breakfast with his family, and the rest of the day is devoted to loving his family and loving the church. He comes into work, and he's just, he's, meeting with people, he's doing phone calls, he's preparing the sermon, and he's just looking for ways to love you guys. <laughs> it's actually really incredible. I have a whole lot to learn from him, and I hope you can feel that love that does come from him. Um, but he does a great job. Um, and so I hope you can see that both the teachers and the listeners are imitating Christ. The teachers by devoting their whole lives, and the Give her the, learn the listeners um, by um, sharing all good things as Christ shared all of himself with us. And in this manner, we're actually fulfilling the law of Christ as well. We are loving one another. We're keeping the law. And in revelation of the gospel and understanding that this is because Christ gave himself, um, it becomes this extravagant thing. It becomes this thing of, Oh man, Christ gave all of himself for me. I want to also give all of myself to God and to his people. It's, I love them, not I have to do this. But I love the person that's right before me here. I love, I love you guys. I love coming here and I love teaching you guys. I love talking with you guys and seeing how you're doing. Um, and it's the listeners also saying, like, I love, I love learning. I love that this person is teaching me the word of God, revealing um, what God has given to us. And so it's this just great mutual act of love. And Paul goes into this. He continues in Galatians in verse 7, and he teaches us this principle of love. Now, the principle comes with a warning. In verse 7, he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So, Right after saying that the listeners should give to the teachers, he then says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Now, I had to wrestle with this because <laughs> that seems abstract. God is not mocked. Well, of course he's not mocked. He's God. He's all-powerful and he knows everything. How could I mock him? But what we learn from Scripture is that um, to love God, when we're loving God, we're doing it because by mainly loving his people. And so, um, actually in 1 John, he tells us that, um, that exactly. He says um, to love God is to keep his commands, and to keep his commands is to love his people, love one another as he's commanded us. And so the warning here is don't mock God. Don't think that you can love God without 
loving his people. Don't think you can love God or be obedient to the law or live like a Christian um, without actually keeping the law of loving one another. And so he, he's really fighting against both antinomian and his legalism because neither of those love people. That's the problem that you fall into. And when you try to act like a Christian, you do. You fall into one or the other. Um, and we'll wrestle with that more in the next verse, actually, which we're about to go into because the end of verse 7 goes very much into verse 8. The end of verse 7, he says, a man reaps what he sows. This is, this is a principle. This is the reasoning for it. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked because a man reaps what he sows. So he's saying here, you reap, you sow love, you reap love, right? That's, it's a pretty basic principle. I um, planted some tomato seeds a few weeks ago, I guess a month ago now, and by the end of August, I hope to be eating some tomatoes. Um, I don't expect my tomato seeds to produce mangoes or peaches or avocados, although that would be amazing because I love avocados, but um, no, they're going to produce tomatoes. And so this basic principle of agriculture is carried along um, and applied to the spiritual reality of loving one another. And so in verse 8, we see that um, everything we do in life is sowing seeds. He says, whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap corruption. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And this is going right off of seven. A man reaps what he sows. And it should really sound familiar to what we learned about in Galatians chapter 5. If you want to turn there, it's um, 5, 19 through 21. And Paul tells us what the works of the flesh are. He says, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I tell you these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this is very much like the first part of verse 8, which says, whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap corruption. If you if you sow to please the flesh, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, he says. Um, and so there's no room for antinomianism. There's no room for doing away with the, God, the law. Um, we have to love one another as he's commanded. And that's what it's all about. That's what the gospel is all about, right? Christ came and loved us. He gave himself for us. And if we have the spirit of Christ in us, we also love one another. And so we have the second half of verse 8. Um, which is very similar to chapter 5, verse 22, which says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. And so we have these, this, the contrast. We have sowing seeds to please the Spirit, right? And he tells us at the end of verse 8 that from this, uh, whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Um, and so this is great. This is, um, this is the Spirit of Christ inside you, um, loving one another, uh, causing us to love one another as Christ has loved us. And so if we have the Spirit inside of us, we do as the Spirit says. We are in step with the Spirit as it tells us at, in Galatians 5. Um, and so, 
This isn't us earning our salvation in any way. This isn't karma saying, oh, you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. But what it is, is um, it's salvation right here. It's saying if you have the spirit of Christ in you, then you live like Christ. You love like Christ loved. You produce fruits of the spirit. You sow to please the spirit. And it's because you ultimately love God. See, if you love God, then you obey him and you keep his commands. It's, it's impossible to love God and to be disobedient to him. That's, uh, that's just a contradiction. It doesn't make sense. Um, but ultimately, these planting the seeds, it's, it's this fruit that leads to eternal life. It's the evidence of eternal life in you, of the spirit of Christ inside of you. And so... Um, this is actually something that's also traced back in the Old Testament. It's, it's what David um, sang about in the Psalms when he said, your law is written on my heart. It's what Ezekiel prophesied when he said that the Lord would take out a heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. And it's what was actually commanded by the law in the beginning with Moses when the law commanded that you were to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength in your neighbor as yourself. And all of this is what Jesus affirmed when he said, I give you a new command. Um, Love one another as I have loved you, he says. And all of this is because um, Christ has loved us. God has loved us. He's taken out our heart of stone. He has given us new life. He has made us alive in Christ. Um, And he has written the law in our hearts that we would obey it. And the law, right, is to Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And so in doing that, we, we change. We turn to be loving God. And so there's no room for either being legalistic and not actually loving God, but trying to earn your way into salvation, working around some other way. Um, like, wrestle with this with me for a second, because what you're saying if you're falling into legalism is, I want life. I, I want to live forever, so I am going to do these things, right? And I think we all fall into that. Um, I want to enter into heaven, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to church. I want to go to heaven, so I'm going to read my Bible. I want to go to heaven, so I will pray. I want to go to heaven, so I will give. And you can do all these things legalistically, but ultimately they're selfish. That's, that's what legalism is, isn't it? It's doing these things because you're trying to earn your way into, salv- into heaven, you're reading your Bible because you want salvation as if it's going to earn you there or earn your way there. Um, but the gospel has no room for this because when the, if you believe the gospel, it's by grace that we're saved, which is what Paul's been arguing through this whole letter. It's by grace that we've been saved. And so because of the love that God has shown us, because of the grace that he's given us. That's why we read our Bible. That's why we wake up in the morning and we're like, oh man, I get to read the Bible. Or not in the morning, whenever you read it. But we're excited to read the Bible because of what God has done for us. And um, do you see the difference there? There's the one who says, I want to go into heaven, and so I will read my Bible. And there's the one who says, God has saved me. He died for me. He took away my sins. And so I, I love that. I love him. I will read my Bible. I want to know more about this God. I want to know him. Um, it's because you are saved that you're obedient. It's because you are saved that you love. Um, and we can't be antinomian either. We can't say that I don't need to read my Bible because I'm saved by grace. 
Because if you're saying that, then what you're saying is that the Spirit hasn't made you alive, that it hasn't turned your heart in that way to love God. Um, If the Spirit's inside of you, if the Spirit of Christ is in you, then you love like Christ loved. That's what the Spirit of Christ does. And so, instead of saying that I don't need to read my Bible because I'm saved by grace, or I don't need to go to church, that's optional, um, or any of those things, I don't, I don't need to give. There's, I don't need to give generously even. Like, that's, um, that's not love. We give out of love. And if you're not giving out of love, then you're, you're, you might just be wasting your time. Um, ultimately, the gospel is the love of Christ that saves us from our sins, both in the future, from future judgment, which is what we think about a lot of times. We believe the gospel, and so we're saved. Um, and that's what we'll say. And then we'll live however we want to live. That's, that's antinomianism. But the gospel also saves us from our sins in the present. It's turning us. It's sanctifying us and making us holy. And so while we don't love perfectly in this life, we're continually growing in that love. We're continually growing in loving better. And you guys do love well, and so I want to encourage you guys to continue growing in love um, because, um, yeah, that's, that's what the Spirit does inside of us. And so Paul actually, he, he recognizes that we don't love perfectly. And so he gives us verse 9. He says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Paul knows. He says, I, I know it's hard to be a Christian. I know that there's times when you're going to be loving and trying to do good, but it's just going to feel like, oh man, I, I would do better for myself if I didn't love right now. It, it would be easier to just <laughs> go to sleep rather than read my Bible, which is something I am guilty of. Um, but he says, let's not become weary in doing good. Let's not become weary in um, seeing our brother and sister in need and helping them because, he reasons, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so Paul's looking forward here. He's saying, we're doing good now because there's a harvest coming. We're sowing seeds now. We're sowing to please the Spirit now because there's something coming. There's a harvest coming. And we learned what the harvest was already. He told us in verse 8 that it's eternal life. It's life with Christ, with God, who is the source and giver of all these things. He is himself the source of love. And so we have this harvest coming of all the fruits of the Spirit, um, of the presence of God himself, of eternity. And so don't grow tired of doing good. Look forward. Remember what's coming. And he continues, actually, in verse 10. He says... um, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. So don't grow weary, but continue and look for opportunities to do good. Um, this is what we do as Christians. This is what Christ did, isn't it? Isn't that his example? Um, he came. He was, man, did he look for opportunities to do good? He saw the world in need, right? And he stepped down from his royal throne in heaven, and he became a man. And then as he grew up, he he studied the word of God. He grew in the knowledge of God. But then he also helped and healed people. He healed whole cities. And Jesus was God. He knew what would happen when he healed them. He knew he'd ultimately be going to the cross. 
But I think of uh, a story with um, ten lepers, when Jesus healed the ten lepers. And he heals them all. And he knows what their response is going to be. After he heals them, they go away. And only one of them comes back, and they worship him and recognize that he's God. But he still healed the other nine. Like, that's incredible. And it's just this generous act of love that Christ has shown us. And he has shown to the whole world. And so we make this priority to love as Christ has loved. Um, And that's why Paul tells us, therefore, as we have have opportunity, do good to all people as Christ has done. And so that's the kind of the first priority is we make love itself a priority in our lives. We go out of our way to love. We look for ways to love people as Christ has loved us. But there's also a second priority here. In the second half of verse 10, he says, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And so there's sort of this like, these levels of love or tiers of love. There's this base, we love all people. We do good to all people, the whole world. But then there's this special sort of love that we have for the family of believers. Inside the church, we, we love one another with a special kind of love because we're united by the same spirit. We're united in the same baptism, in the death and resurrection of Christ. We're united as the body of Christ. And so we should act as a family. We should act as the family of believers that Paul calls us. We're all in the same kingdom of God. And so in doing that, we should have this special love for one another. And this is also an example that Christ had for us and he shows for us. Um, If you remember John 10, Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. And the good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. And he knows his sheep and he calls his sheep by name and his sheep answer him. And there's this special love for the family of believers. And Jesus had it even going to the cross. And so we also, we should lay down our lives as Christ did for one another. We should seek to especially love and aspire, um, not aspire, encourage one another. But there's also a third um, level that's above all of these that Paul doesn't actually mention here. But it's in the undertone. It's this love for God, right? So it's this top love for God. And that's what drives the others. If we love God, we love his people as he loved us. If we love God, we love the world as he did. And so we have this priority of love. where We love God. And so we love his people. And so we love the whole world. Um, so, I just want to encourage you guys, as we go out, love as Christ loved. Remember the gospel as you're thinking, oh man, it'd be easier to not love right now. It would be easier to not read my Bible right now. It'd be easier to just be selfish. Um, remember the gospel. Remember what Christ has done for you, how he gave himself for you. And it's, it's not by works that you're saved, it's by grace, right? It's because his spirit is inside of you, that we do these things. It's because he has loved us that we do these things. It's not because we think that doing these things will get us into heaven. Um, so, with all of that said, um, I would just like to say one more thing, because I missed it here. Um, and that is, when we love as Christ loved, we're joining in to the glory of Christ. We're ultimately joining in with his 
crucifixion, right, in his life. He, he came and li- uh, lived and died, and we get to join in and fellowship with him in that same way. Um, so, I hope you guys can see the importance of love and the instruction that Paul has given us that we should love and we should give and share all things. Um, and also the warning that has come that he gave us that um, it's not um, a mockery of God um, to, oops, I said that backwards, that we shouldn't mock God. Don't mock God. God is not mocked. Um, instead, love as he loved. Keep his commands and love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. Okay, I'm gonna pray now and then we'll be done. Father, uh, thank you for, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that um, you died for our sins, that all we have to do is believe in you and um, we will be saved. Let us also love one another as you have loved us. Um, let us just grow in the spirit that you've given us and may your spirit work in us and move us and teach us and train us to have a genuine affectionate love for one another that we would um, share all good things generously and that we would, we would love you and not mock you but keep your commands with a genuine heart God just thank you for um, all that you've done for us and let us go and Um, Be encouraged as we love and encourage one another to love as we look forward to the harvest of spending eternity with you. In your name, Jesus, amen.